2: Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes
1: right to Pedersen who
2: tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot. He scores! Moments notice. Adam Z.
0: I don't. I won't cover the Canucks. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks.
2: Just wave the
1: guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and balanced. Wow, we should do a radio show together. (laughs) Right on. I want to fist bump you right now.
2: Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots,
1: scores. (laughs) Canucks fans, welcome to another episode of the Canucks Conversation presented by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. If you haven't gotten your hands on the Series 2 waitlist, I recommend getting over to ZephyrEpic.com and be sure to use our promo code Hockey Season. that's capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season at ZephyrEpic.com to get $5 off your order, as well as free shipping on all orders to Canada, over $50. It's going to be a big episode this week, episode 152 of the show, uh, we have basically... Just- just a ton of news to dive into Jim Benning spoke to the media today Tanner Pearson has a contract that's come down As an extension for three years At $3.25 million average annual value And uh, I think we should just dive right into it Quads, how are you doing today, man?
0: Uh, doing well It was a rainy, rainy Friday in Vancouver But, you know, can't really complain right now So, yeah, this Tanner Pearson deal, Chris It's an interesting one The reaction to it was overwhelmingly negative And you know i I understand that I absolutely understand that, but I also like Tanner Pearson as a player. I just think now is not the right time to sign him for this organization I just don't think like I think when you see guys like Jimmy VC and Travis Boyd coming through the waiver wire right these league minimum deals where it's they're instantly going into the top six, I think when you see that you kind of I think the kind of the mood around the team was that. Oh, okay. Going forward, once these bad bottom six contracts are off the book, like they can, f- off the books, they can fill their bottom six with players like this. This is what competitive teams do. Like you look at the competitive teams, they don't have a bunch of money in their bottom six, and it feels like with this deal, the Canucks are just adding more money to their bottom six, and I think that's kind of why. People had an issue with it, and I get that. I absolutely get that. But, yeah, what are your initial thoughts on the deal?
1: I mean, the money and and the the way that it came in with the term, just the way that we're in with a flat cap environment, this is something Jim Benning actually talked about today, It feels like this money was just another one of those contracts where we've seen Jim Benning sign in the past, where he's given a year too long and too much money on top of it as well. It just feels like he was outbidding himself once again, like we've seen with a lot of these contracts with Tanner, or with Jim Benning signing over the past little bit. I, Tanner Pearson, he's a very effective player on the Vancouver Canucks rosters. Especially with the lack of depth that they've had on the wing in the past, I mean, think about how many how many years we were struggling to see a winger just kind of sit with Bo Horvat and have success. And you know, we found that this year with Niels Huglander jumping in and being a great winger for Bo Horvat this season, he jumped on a line with Tanner Pearson and Bo Horvat. So there is a spot for Tanner Pearson to be a guy who's you know in the middle six. For the three years of this contract I mean, he's going to play, you know, 16 plus minutes probably uh, Depending on what Vasily Podkolzin does When he comes into the lineup He could be an impact player that bumps Tanner Pearson Not only off the power play unit But, you know, out, out of the bottom Or out of the top six as well So I, I just, it's tough for me to see Another deal to a bottom six player That I see in the future Like, I don't think it's going to be A full top six contract here for Tanner Pearson for the three years because I just think that there are wingers that are going to push him out of that top six role with the players that are coming into this organization, prospects and draft picks. It it, It feels to me like we're about to see another contract of a guy going into his 30s making too much money playing in the bottom six. That's just kind of the initial thoughts of how I feel about it. And... I think that this this hurts because it just feels like it feels like the scar was just beginning to heal, you know, on these bottom six contracts. And I'm not saying that this is going to rip it right back open because I do think that Tanner Pearson looks like his game has adjusted since coming to Vancouver, where he can keep up with the NHL speed. He's been able to to play in a lot of different situations, power play, penalty kill when he's asked to do it, top six role, a lockdown role. Like he can do a lot to a team. I just think the, the way that we're looking at it right now in a flat cap era during a pandemic when money isn't going to be rising for th- looks like three years on the cap, like the next three years of this contract are going to be during flat cap years where the money isn't going to go up for the full salary cap. And I just think that uh, it just feels like too many years and too much money. Just like a, similar con- like a similar thing that we see with the contracts that Jim Benning signs. I just feel that's the initial feel for me when I saw the money come down and how much it was for Tanner Pearson. I want to touch on a few things here, Chris. And I think the first
0: thing is that right now Tanner Pearson's a top six player. I think he's a middle six. I I don't want to refer to Tanner Pearson as a bottom six player. Like I know people are unhappy about the contract, but I don't I don't consider Tanner Pearson a bottom six player. Will he be a bottom six player by the end of this deal? Yeah, probably. Maybe even in the first <laughs> yeah, year of Todd Bolsen It might but be but at I the still, very start. I still consider him. Yeah, you're right. I still consider him a middle six player, though, because having him on a third line is not a bad thing. Like, if you want a third line that can go score, capitalize on some easier minutes, that's great. But here's the thing. Like, that, that's what I've seen people pointing to is like, oh, well, now they have more depth. Now they're going to have a third third scoring line. Well, OK, who's your third line center? Because when I look at roster construction, I think you can get away with having a third line that has a good third line center and mediocre wingers. I don't think you can do it the other way around. I don't think you can get th- get by with having a Brandon Sutter as your third line center or an Adam Gaudet as your third line center with Tanner Pearson on the wing. Like that's that's not going to be a line that's effective. So a couple weeks ago, Chris, we talked about Adam Lowry, free agent this offseason with the Winnipeg Jets, great player. We talked about how the Canucks should avoid giving money to more bottom six players. So I said, you need to find an Adam Lowry, but you don't want to go pay Adam Lowry himself this offseason. Cause like I said, I thought he was going to get at least 3.5 to 4 million. But man, looking at this move, this Tanner Pearson extension, I'm not going to lie. I think it would have been more valuable to the Canucks as a whole to go out and give $4 million to Adam Lowry than it is for them to give 3.12 to Tanner Pearson.
1: Yeah, I actually I agree with that. I think that that's that's a huge question for the Vancouver Canucks and you mentioned it. I mean, you can find guys that can fit in on a third line and be scorers, right? There's a lot of guys in free agency every single year. And I think we're going to see a ton of them this year that just aren't quite good enough to be top six players, but they can come and contribute into your bottom six. And you know what the funny thing is? If the Canucks didn't sign Tanner Pearson as extension, he would have been exactly one of those players in free agency this offseason. And he probably would have had to sign a two or two, a one or two year deal of money. I'm guessing around two to $2.5 million because I don't think that the contract needed to be signed for three years, and the thing that that scares me is, like, this is the biggest contract given to a player this season in the NHL. During the season, there's not one skater, like we've seen the Bennington deal and the Demko deal for sure, for goaltenders, but this is the biggest contract given out to a player this season. Jim Benning did that. He just gave the biggest contract in the NHL, During the season, to Tanner Pearson, a guy who we're already talking about potentially being a bottom six player. That's why I just felt like there needed to be no rush here. Like, there really did not need to be a rush into signing Tanner Pearson this contract. The Canucks aren't going to make the playoffs this year. You know, I think that they. Sh- I still think that they should have went out and traded Tanner Pearson for an asset, and Jim Benning backed that up today in the media availability. And I just found that even the fact that he mentioned that quote, saying that you know they could have traded Tanner Pearson for futures, but decided they wanted to keep him in the room, he would have been there in free agency. He would have 100% been there in free agency, and I bet if you get to that point and you see other contracts that are coming down, instead of being the first to step on the gas pedal and make a deal for someone like Tanner Pearson, I bet he would have come in at a cheaper contract if they would have got to free agency after he went on a playoff run with another team.
0: I don't think you're all that far off at all. But the one thing I want to say, Chris, is man... You know who would be really nice if they showed this kind of preparation for and didn't wait till the last minute and run out of time? Do you know who it would have been great to see them do that with? Is Tyler Toffoli, man. Like, Tyler Toffoli, they had his exclusive rights. Like, they had all the time in the world to talk to him and to extend him. And look what he ended up signing for. And you know what? Like, I'm going to be honest here. And this is this is defending them a little bit here when it comes to this, but it's kind of like what you said. I th- I bet, and I'm not. I don't have any inside information on this. I have. I'm not reporting anything here. But I bet that Tyler Toffoli, when he was looking for an extension from the Canucks, he probably was looking for at least five million dollars, and he ended up signing for less than that in Montreal. So I'm not gonna lie. I have a feeling it's kind of similar, like where he thought he might get more in free agency, and then. When he didn't, he had to take Montreal's offer But, you know, he was out there for a while, man So that's no excuse for the Canucks Because there was time to sign him There, it Running out of time is not a legitimate excuse For losing a player of Tyler Toffoli's caliber Like, sorry, Tyler is a better player than Tanner Pearson At every facet of the game And he can play anywhere in your lineup And again, if you have Tyler Toffoli on a third line Again, you need that third line center But man, yeah. I'm sorry. I would much rather have Tyler Toffoli on his four-year contract than I would Tanner Pearson on this three million contract.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's the biggest thing. That's that's just a bad situation in general. I think for the Canucks is like we we've talked about it. and You mentioned you brought up the Adam Lowry thing that we talked about just a couple weeks ago, and it was like, oh, you know, they shouldn't pay that kind of money for him. But now that you come in for Tanner Pearson, you just said it like. I would have been okay paying Adam Lowry that money just from seeing the other contract that was signed because we've seen wingers come in like Jimmy Vesey make an instant impact on this Canucks team in the middle six and be able to play in a role that we just don't see centers coming in off the waiver wire and doing that spot so I it, it's just it's a tough it's a tough situation because like I don't hate the contract a lot I just don't think it needed to be signed like I don't think it needed to be signed right now. I really think if if Pearson loved it in Vancouver that much, he could have gone out and finished this COVID season. You know, this this weird COVID playoffs. He could have gone out for a team, played with them, maybe go out and win a cup. Like great, good for him, win another cup for Tanner Pearson. But if he liked it in Vancouver so much and loved the in the top six, I just think circling back in free agency would have been a better deal than what they got done this past week. I. I, you know, hearing Jim Benning talk about, you know, this is the type of contract that he would have seen in free agency. This is the type of offer he would have got, like from who? Like from the Detroit Red Wings, maybe because they just want a guy who can play on their first line. Because I don't see any other team. Like, think about it this way, Quads. If if Tanner Pearson was put on waivers right now, would a team pick him up, knowing that they have to pay for three more years of this contract at three point two five? Well, obviously not in the flat cap,
0: but the, I think the the question there is if there wasn't a flat cap and it was a regular season, would they? And I still
1: think the answer is no. I just, and that's the thing for me, it's like, man, the day that you signed the contract, to think that that, play, like, to, to think that you're proud of that contract and the deal that you got done. Like, don't get me wrong, good for Tanner Pearson, good for Tanner Pearson to get that money, this is like... This is pretty much a perfect situation for him, right? Like, he just signed a contract just south of $10 million for him to play into his 30s. As a guy who really fell off over the couple of years there when he was bouncing around, he found a home here in Vancouver, so you would think that he would like to stay here, but, you know, he got his money. Like, good for him and his agent to get what the free agent value for him would have been in a a non-pandemic year, it feels like, right? Like, I cannot, I just cannot fathom the idea... That Tanner Pearson hits the market And makes this money in free agency Like I, I just don't see it happening To be 100% honest and I think that's uh, The biggest worry for me is like If you're already looking at the contract As something that's not going to help The team moving forward into the future And the deal hasn't even started yet His new contract hasn't even kicked in yet Like that's not the spot that you want to be in With resigning players Like look at that compared to the Thatcher Demko deal You know there was some risk involved in the Thatcher Demko deal But it felt like a lot of people were on board for it, with it I mean, we both talked about it We were both on board with the five-year deal It felt like a good gamble To me, you've seen so many players fall off into their 30s That this just doesn't feel like a good gamble I don't think Tanner Pearson gets better during this contract I don't think that's, you know, there's a chance in the world That he gets better on this contract Because next season, he could be playing on a third line If a silly pod cozen shows up And makes a transition to the NHL Like a lot of people believe Like, I am very confident that that he could go play on a line right now with Niels Huglander and Bo Horvat. And I think he would be just as effective, if not more effective, than Tanner Pearson. And it's good to have a guy around in the room. And Jim Benning talked about it a lot that, you know, Tanner Pearson's a great guy for teaching these young players. But another great thing for teaching these young players is showing them that you like want to invest in the young group instead of continuing to just keep paying the same guys that you like in your organization. And I think a lot of Canucks fans were really mad about this deal because it was like, Okay all this money is about to come off the books And maybe things are going to be different with Jim Benning Moving into the future but this contract Just takes me right back to you know Jim Benning Feels like he's spending like it's the summer of 2016 again right like it just Feels like we're getting these same Type of deals and not going to be seeing a different Team on the ice with Jim Benning as a general manager Because he's continuing to make These deals that just show so Many red flags to the people that that follow this team so closely and have seen so many failures with contract extensions and, and free agent deals. Like, it's just, it's happened so often that even though this one's not egregious like some other contracts that he's given out, it just, it hurts so bad because like like I said earlier in the episode, it feels like that scar that we're having of bad contracts that Jim Benning signed is just never going to heal as long as he's the Canucks general manager.
0: Like, folks, let's remember here, like, Time Pearson's got 11 points in 33 games this season. And again, you look at his numbers in that season that he got traded to Vancouver. Yes, I know he played great in Vancouver, but he started the season 17 games with one assist in Los Angeles. Change the scenery in Pittsburgh, nine goals, five assists through 44 games. And then yes, the Canucks, 12 points in 19 games. Then he had 2019-20, which was 45 points in 69 games, which is nice. But again, you you, want to kind of adjust for all those empty net points that he had as well and then this season 11 points in 33 games like that's to me that's just not like that's not the time to extend it and chris this is a, this is something that was offered by jim this morning on the call he said you know he's playing in the canadian division when the divisions are back to normal he's going to bounce back like that's what he said he said i think he's going to bounce back when the divisions are back to normal i'm sorry i i don't see how the canadian division is affecting tanner pearson in a negative way like Am I just, am I being overly negative here? Or am I just completely missing the mark? Like, I, I don't understand how that affects, how that can affect your scoring that much playing in the Canadian division. Like,
1: honestly, yeah. someone well, please it's try it's and explain helping, this one. Well, it's helping, I would one. think. I, I would think it was the opposite. You know, you look at how, I think it's the Canadian division has the most goals scored per out of the divisions, right? And I mean, you're seeing a lot of goals scored. You would think to see Tanner Pearson be up there, but like I, like I was talking about earlier, if Tanner Pearson were to hit Free agency right now Like right now The season just stopped Out of every single player That's available for free agency As of right now If all the contracts ended Tanner Pearson would be 43rd in scoring Out of available free agents Like oh. like he's not getting He's not getting 3.25 million dollars Like Jim Benning thinks that he's gonna get He's 43rd on the list For, for UFAs that are gonna be up in this summer Like how, how does the 43rd ranked guy get $3.25 million. I just... I can't see it happening. Like, I I don't know. I feel like I'm losing my mind sometimes just seeing that these deals get done, and I just feel like this one really didn't need to happen right now. You didn't need to make Tanner Pearson the highest-paid player this season from an extension. You didn't need to do that. Like, you really didn't need to do that. You needed to trade him for an asset and then circle back in free agency and sign him on a two-year $2.25 million deal. If you really wanted him in the room, that's a possibility to me. I just... I don't think that that, like, I don't know why that plan wasn't looked at by this organization. I just feel like they liked what he did in the room. They liked how he fit with Bo Horvat after having a struggle to find a winger for Horvat for so many years. But I don't even see him playing out that three years of the contract alongside Bo Horvat. Like, I think you have a better option with Vasily Colson and Niels Hoglander as soon as training camp next season. I think you have a better option with those two guys on Bo Horvat's wing. That's That's a second line to me, you know? And we've talked about it, That Tanner Pearson is a middle six player to me. Yeah. He's a third line winger. Like he's going to fit in on the third line. He's going to be effective in a third line role, but your, your top six is filled, man. Like you have a top six moving into next season of, of primarily young guys, right? That, you know, JT Miller and Bo Horvat, the oldest of the group, but that top six is going to be very young. And that's your top six for the next, not only three years, but hopefully five to seven years. We have that same top six. You know, I just, I just feel like the money is going to hurt again because it's going to be money in your bottom six when you're going to have to pay Niels Huglander, You're going to have to pay Vasiliy Colson. Brock Besser is going to need a raise. Like Jim Benning said it today. Like he literally said today. This is the exact quote. I'll pull it up. And I, like, I know this is going to be looked back to so many times. This is the quote from Jim Benning. I don't see, I don't foresee any cap problems this summer. Maybe this summer right like maybe they can get that deal done with Hughes and Pedersen and it's going to be under 15 million like a lot of people think that that's how much they've put away and that's very possible very possible that both those guys get bridge deals and it's under 15 million dollars for sure. But look at the deals again. Like we're gonna see, like, is is Brandon Sutter gonna be coming back on a lower rate because Jim Benning was like, oh, well, he's making less money than he was on this contract, like he said with Tanner Pearson. Like, why not bring Brandon Sutter back next year at $3.25 million for three more years? Like that just feels more possible now when I think a lot of people were hoping for some change and some some forthright good thinking. From Jim Benning moving forward here We just didn't see, I don't think And I think that's the change that a lot of people wanted to see I like Tanner Pearson on the Canucks lineup I think he brings a lot I think he can kill penalties in a pinch He can be on your second power play if you need to He's a guy that you can trust at the end of games I think he's a a very good player to add to this team It's just for once under Jim Benning's tenure It would have been nice to see a contract signed For a guy that has potential to move into it You know, aside from the Thatcher Demko deal I can't really think of a great contract you know, I mean, Bull Horvat's deal is pretty good as well And I think that's, that's a fine one for the longer term deal But this one, just to me, it feels like There's not a lot of Not a lot of space for him to be better than his contract is Because the situation that's going to come He's going to be bumped to a bottom six Like I said, as soon as training camp And I just don't think a player can make That much of a difference Playing on the wing Making $3.25 million on a three-year deal As he's turning into his 30s It just... It feels like there's not a lot of positives that can come out of this spot. Only negatives, really.
0: The last thing I want to say about Tanner Pearson, Chris, is kind of what you were saying just now with what Jim said this morning about I don't foresee any cap issues. To me, that makes it sound like there's a plan in place and that there's something that we don't know. Now... I have a few theories, one of them obviously being Louis Erickson's only owed three more million dollars, maybe he doesn't want to go to Utica, whatever, either that or they bury him in Utica, they're not going to be afraid to do that, they had him on the taxi squad this year, again, they got the cap savings from that, so they either know that they're going to bury him again, or that he's just going to walk away from the final three million and have the entire cap, cap hit off the books. Now, there's that option, or there's also the Jay Beagle thing, and Rick Dollywell of Donnie and Dolly, the team on Czech TV, they were talking about how... There's whispers behind the scenes that Jay Beagle might not be ready to start Next year and that this injury is a lot more Serious than was originally Anticipated now obviously we hope The absolute best for Jay and His long term health like again Another guy he's got kids you just hope Nothing but the best for him but He might start the year on LTIR And to me this deal All but confirms that It either confirms that Jay Beagle's Going on LTIR or that they're going to get out of the Louis Erickson deal It has to be one of those two options Because where else are they getting the cap space Chris Like I, I, I'm I, leaning more toward Beagle Because again I don't think anybody in their right mind Is going to walk away from 3 million dollars I really don't think Louis is going to do that Um, So I am leaning more toward the Jay Beagle Thing being this, this kind of Showing that this is a lot More serious than we originally thought So again you know it's kind of just what I've put together, but I also really, really hope Jay
1: Beagle's okay long-term. Yeah, I, I agree, of course. I mean, you want to see Beagle be healthy and play out that final year of his contract for the Canucks. And, you know, he could be he could be a big reason why the Canucks might end up re-signing Brandon Sutter, to be honest. Like, he could be a huge reason why the Canucks go out and, and sign Sutter. And you know what? Like, signing Brandon Sutter, like... To what under one point seven five? Like, would that be the worst thing? Like, would you be fine with Brandon Sutter and a one year deal at one point seven five? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I think
0: like maybe a little less than that, but sure. yeah, I... I I think so. I think you're okay with that. So the
1: so the real contract will probably come in at two years two point five. That's probably going to be the extension for Brandon Sutter at least. Like honestly, like that's going to be at least what it is. Uh, but it just it leans a lot of things towards Brandon Sutter getting re signed for me and and you mentioned it like man with. With the money that you're gonna be putting into your bottom six now, with Jake Fertannen likely playing there next year, Antoine Roussel likely playing there next year, Jay Beagle if he does return playing there next year, and Tanner Pearson playing there next year, look at all those look at all those dollars that are going to players in your bottom six. And this is going to be, like, next year is going to be the first year where you have to pay your best players. Like, they ain't on ELCs anymore, man. You know, Quinn Hughes is going to be making money. Elias Pettersson's going to be making money. And then you look at the contracts and you're like, wow, Louis in our bottom six. Antoine Roussel is in our bottom six making $3 million. Jake's in the bottom six making two and a half. Like, there has to be a plan. And I'm so tired of saying this. Like, I'm so tired of saying this. It's like, there has to be something that they know that we don't know. Because it's like... I feel like just from covering this team for for years now, it's like oh maybe there's something they know that we don't know, but it's like oh no, it's just a stupid a stupid plan, you know, that doesn't have a finished date and I just I just man, like it just drives me insane. Like it really does just to see that the the plan has flip-flopped so much with this group. And for a while there Like over the past few months I was thinking like Okay maybe Francesco Aquilini Has already cut off the taps To Jim Benning And Jim Benning can't go out And make any more moves With this team It looks like his time is up You know at the end of this year Maybe they're going to reset Maybe that's why the coach Doesn't have a contract Maybe that's why a lot of things Haven't been done this year But then you go out And you see The biggest player contract Of the season Given out to a guy Who's going to be in your Bottom six next season And it's like Oh no Jim's Jim's still making decisions For sure So I, I, It's it's not like the Tanner Pearson is a is the worst deal in the world It's definitely not the worst deal on this Vancouver Canucks team But it just feels like it's the straw that's broken the camel's back to me And, and I'm just, I just, I can't help but laugh, man Like, I, I can't help but laugh Like, at a certain point, it's, I just feel like I'm taking crazy pills Like, at a certain point covering this team I feel like, maybe it's the, the lack of games and the COVID situation that's going on But, like, I am losing my mind trying to cover this team over the past few weeks
0: yeah. It's it's been an interesting past few weeks. I, man, we're like COVID reporters right now. You know what I mean, COVID reporters who
1: don't know anything about COVID and we're just like, yeah, so the uh, players are sick. It's like, oh yeah. It's uh I find it so hard cuz it's like we you you and I have said this lots of times. We're not doctors and it's like it's it's just like it's painful to to do it. Like I just I we just have to listen to to what people smarter than us can say about it. Uh, you know, when a deal comes down like this, and Tanner Pearson, this is something that we can break down. And obviously, we we like the Demko deal. That was a good move by Jim Benning. Like, I felt like the only thing that could have saved Jim's ass today in the media availability was like, by the way, we've also extended Ian Clark for a five-year contract. Like, that would have this if the deal is done. Like a lot of people like like to whisper about that there is an extension for Travis Green and there is going to be an extension for Ian Clark. Like. Today would have been the day to announce it Like 9am an hour before uh, Jim Benning takes to the media It would have been a really good time to announce That contract extension for one of those two coaches Because that could have saved his ass A little bit but instead you know I thought Some great questions today um, if, you, if anybody wants to go back and listen to The uh, interview with Benning I believe it's on their Twitter Or on their Facebook as well you can find it, the video There but like Daniel Wagner and Jeff Patterson both great questions today uh, Just asking about the Pearson situation And about how you know there are young Players That are going to come in and push for jobs You know what if Cole Lynn turns out to be A a, a winger right off the bat a third line Winger right off the bat you know like he Is he going to bump Tanner Pearson down to the Fourth line and then you have another Antoine Roussel Situation where you know Roussel came In and there was times where he was playing with Horvat on the Second line and and he was pretty effective At times and within one year Of that with some changes made to this Team in, in the addition of Tanner Pearson being the big one, actually, Antoine Roussel has found himself as a fourth line player or a guy who's in the press box at times. And, you know, the Canucks have some young players that can make that push. Vasily Colson's immediately going to affect the winger depth chart. Cole Lind, if he's ready to make the jump and proves that even this season with a chance, like, he's immediately going to affect the depth chart as well. And I just think that, like, you know, potentially even bringing in some other players in free agency, which is going to be tough with their cap spot, but, like, if you can take a shot on a couple guys who show well Like, say, Jimmy V C wants to come back in a million dollars You know, does he push Tanner Pearson out of a third-line spot? And then we're already talking about Pearson being a fourth-line player Making $3.25 million, but being good in the room I just, it doesn't make a lot of sense The thought process they brought us to this point here
0: Yeah, also don't hold your breath on Ian Clark coming back That's all I'm gonna say I, I don't I don't yeah. think I don't think he's gonna be coming back, but I also don't have any like I this is I I don't know I haven't I haven't really talked to anybody. It's just I I I would not hold your breath on Ian Clark coming back at this point, but we don't know. Yeah, th- we'll, we'll see.
1: I, yeah, I think if you're the best at what you do, you'd expect the team to have an offer done with you already. I think you they you know if you're the best at what you do in the world at something, people should pay you good money and give you good autonomy. Similar to Judd Brackett, but, like, they should be giving you that deal. They should be opening up the front door, telling you to walk in, eat all their food, do what you want. Like, let them have the choice in what the contract looks like. And, unfortunately, that's not happening to Ian Clark. He's going to get that somewhere else, it seems like.
0: And that's what, like, or, sorry, I was supposed to say that's what Jim wants. But Jim does not want Ian Clark to leave. Let's just get out in front of that. Jim does not want Ian Clark gone. So... You connect the dots there and try and figure out why Ian Clark's not doesn't have a deal done. So uh, yeah, I think we can throw a break now, Chris.
1: Yeah I think so Well uh, I'll calm down a little bit Because I'm excited to uh, talk about the Comets On the other side a little bit They're back in action on Friday night Uh, They got fans in the arena We'll we'll dive into the all you can eat and all you can drink tickets That they're giving out Uh, But for now we're just going to throw to a quick ad break Uh, I'll go outside and breathe in some fresh air And uh, we'll be back for the second half Of this week's episode So let's just throw to our ads real quick All right. You guys all know about Parallel 4.9 beer from our commercials here on the show. And now we have a new announcement. Hello, Peach Bod. That's right. It's not all about the Beach Bod this summer. It's all about the Peach Bod this summer. This one's an interesting one, folks. A sparkling peach ale. So you're getting a beer with peach flavor on it, but it's also high in carbonation. It's definitely a different one, and I highly recommend going out there and giving it a try if you're into a peach-flavored beer. And that's something, you know, I'm pretty damn into. i got to get out and try it myself pretty soon here. I will report back on the show about this. Uh, So go out there and try the Peach Bod for yourself from Parallel49Beer. Check them out on Instagram, at Parallel49, as in the numbers, and then Beer, that's Parallel49Beer. And be sure to check out their website for more information about how you can get beer through Uber Eats. That's right, through those food delivery apps. Uber Eats, you can get your delivery from parallel 49 Beer. Be sure to check out their website, parallel49brewing.com. That's parallel, the numbers 49brewing.com. The pandemic
0: and a slow economy are making it tough on a lot of people to find steady, good-paying work. But one industry is bucking that trend. Construction companies are hiring and need more workers than ever before. Upload your resume to icba.ca and get noticed. With more than 3,000 employers on our ICBA team, our employment network can connect you to businesses crewing up. For the 2021 construction season. Trades jobs that pay well offer excellent benefits, invest in safety training, and give a firm career foundation. Check out icba.ca slash jobs.
1: Moving on along, we want to throw a big shout out to our friends over at Mike's Hard Lemonade and Neutral Vodka as well. couple of new releases from each of these guys right now. Mike's Hard has released the new White Freeze. It's here from the 90s to freeze your summer with refreshing cream soda flavor, as well as Neutral Vodka launching their new juice line with their regular vodka sodas now Now... Including fruit juice flavors to spice it up a little bit I know I'm into that because I love my sweeter drinks uh, So be sure to check out the new Mike's Hard White Freeze As well as the brand new Neutral Juiced Series And if you are of legal drinking age Head on down to the local BC liquor store And pick yourself up a six pack of one of these new drinks And a big thank you to our sponsors For uh, for supporting us along the way It's been tough times for a lot of businesses But we appreciate all of our sponsors supporting us And be sure to support them as well Because uh, it's pretty nice of them to uh, reach out and help a Podcast like ours Quads. I, I, I want to get off the topic because I went out And I, I took some deep breaths outside I breathed in the nice rainy air um, But at the same time we got to talk more about The press conference a little bit and the situation After seeing the contract come down uh, You want to get started with something We'll just kind of go off that topic Yeah exactly I do want to say something
0: Chris And you know what I want to say is last offseason When I was saying that losing to Foley Was bad business Okay, There were people Saying and they they know who they are. I'm not petty enough to call them out. They said, "Well, Pod Colson's coming, and Tefoli was just gonna Tefoli was just gonna have to play in the bottom six, or he was gonna take Pod Colson's spot. And you can't have that." And then those same people with this deal, where Tanner Pearson's deal, oh man, okay, Tanner Pearson's deal is going to expire the same year as Tyler Tefoli's, okay, because it's a three-year extension, okay, same year. Those same people were saying, Oh, well now there's no pressure on Pod Coltson, or oh boy, now they have more depth. I'm just saying, same people saying that. The ones that were saying, well, they don't need Toffoli because Pod Colson's coming and you know he's just gonna get pushed to a third line role and they're not they don't need him for four years. You have Tanner Pearson for the same amount of time and he's already regressing. Look what Tyler Toffoli's doing this year in Montreal. Just yeah. go go ahead and look. Three more years. Yeah. Three more years. Sorry. I was I was pretty uh Lukewarm, I feel like on the whole topic at the start, but I just remembered that those people were going at me for that, so I had to go
1: uh, straighten straighten out the record here. Hey, if you see an open lane, go and dunk it, quads. That's that's what you got to do. I think the the thing that we talked about, and I said we calmed down in the break. We were <laughs> honestly we didn't um, during the break. We were like talking about it, and like you had the option this off season, you know, with Tyler To and Jake Vertanen there. They went with Jake Vertanen on a two year deal. You know, it's going to expire after next season. I, I just, I don't see him coming back. So these are players that we're talking about in the middle six. You know, Tyler Toffoli, more top six player. I mean, heck, he was he was playing on the Canucks' first line when he got here. I think he would have been in a similar spot, especially with the production that he's shown this year. He didn't drop off at all, like we've seen Jake Virtanen do and Tyler Toffoli do. Tyler you know, if Pearson, you're in you that Pearson. spot. Sorry, yes, Tanner Pearson um, Just to see that drop-off and see what has happened with Tyler Toffoli Who probably would have been playing with better line mates here in Vancouver, right? I mean, you, you look at the guys that he's playing with um, in Montreal He's been on Suzuki's line for a lot of the season I think he's had Kokan Yemi near him as well um, It's just like, to me, you look back at that And to think that this, like, if you would have fast-forwarded to this point in the season and told me that like after Tyler Toffoli walked to Be like oh it's okay They're going to sign Tanner Pearson for three years at 3.25 Right after we just saw a deal for Toffoli That's going to take him into the same year For when his contract is up But make a million more dollars like, man, I would just be banging my head against the wall to think that you want to invest in Jake Vertanen and Tanner Pearson to be middle six players when you could have had a guy who's a top six player still and will probably continue to be as his contract goes on. Maybe that last year, maybe those last two years he drops off a little bit, but he would have been a first-line player for the Vancouver Canucks this season, next season, and it would have given depth and better insulation for a guy like Vasily Podkolzin to come in. And maybe get some time on the third line to start before he makes that push. Now I feel like you're putting Pod Colson up against Pearson to be like, well, who wants to be the top six guy? Like, who wants to play with Bo Horvat and who wants to play with, you know, maybe Brandon Sutter, right? Like, that's the situation that you're going to be putting Pod Colson and Pearson into battle up against each other next year. You know, that's a that's a tough spot for Pod Colson to come in and be like, listen, he's in his rookie year, he wants to be a leader, he wants to be like in the room, and you're putting him up in a one-on-one battle against the guy who Jim Benning just talked about being so good in the room and good for the young guys, like... Man, you don't want to play with Brandon Sutter. You want to play with Bo Horvat and Niels Huglander, right? Like you want to be on you wanna be on that line. You wanna be on the line that's going out there and getting scoring chances. Not the one that's starting 75% of your shifts in the defensive zone and having a guy who has one assist or two assists on the full season. Like it's just it's man, just like in hindsight, that's the thing. Like, man, it's it's not the worst deal for Tanner Pearson, but it just feels like the the pieces that have built up to this point. It's just made it such a bad spot for the Canucks and their salary cap that to hear Jim Benning say that like there isn't going to be a cap problem next year, I, I, I can't believe that. I can't believe that because like you're still paying bottom six players that much money. You still have Louis Erickson on the books. To me, even if you're still under the salary cap, the Canucks are in a cap situation that is not ideal. They're still paying a lot of players a lot of money that aren't doing a lot for the team. Like that's a cap problem to me. I don't I know that they're they're going to be able to get under the salary cap. That's that's what a general manager has to do. But what a general manager should be doing is, you know, making that money worth it. And I just feel like that's not the point that we're going to be at next season. So I so I do think that there's a cap problem. A lot of people look at the cap problem. They're like, "Oh no, they're going to be under eighty one and a half million dollars. They'll be fine." Yeah, sure they are, but the the problem isn't getting under the salary cap. The problem is spending all these money, spending all this money on these guys that just don't live up to what their contracts are. And I feel like you're setting yourself up for another situation with that. You know, in years two and three of Tanner Pearson being a for sure not a middle six guy anymore, but a bottom six winger. I just feel like that's another situation that you're setting yourself up for when you know I, I like. To me, it's insane to think that, that Tanner Pearson goes out and gets $3-plus plus million in free agency. This offseason, there's no chance. Unless, like I said, he's going to Detroit or, or Buffalo. Like, those two teams probably give him $3 million, but does he want to go there? I don't think so. Like, this is a guy who's won a cup already, and he's going to want to go out and still continue to compete. I just... I Yeah, I don't know. Can we talk about the Comets now or something? Or do you have anything to add to that? No,
0: nothing to add to that, but someone asked me to do a full breakdown of every goaltender in the in the organization's stance and rebound control so I'm just gonna go ahead and get start I'm just kidding go ahead you can talk about the comments
1: honestly man like <laughs> I could just erase all the footage from the first half of this episode and and you can just go off on that because i I don't know i I don't know if people like I feel like people like a lot of people are with me here right like like a lot of people even the biggest bending bros have to realize that Yes, the Canucks are going to be under the cap But they really do have a cap problem With who they're paying that money to Like that, even the biggest Benning bros have to realize that Yeah, okay, like, that's the thing is, I think some people, most people don't.
0: Like, there's a lot of smart Canucks fans out there, and I think most people realize that when people say cap problems, they don't mean, like, they're going to be unable to get under the cap, it's how they're going to get under the cap, and what they're going to have to lose and do along the way. Like, we said there were, people said there was no cap problems left last offseason, but then they run out of time on Tyler Toffoli? That's not a cap issue to you? It's just, like... It, there's so much that plays into it, Chris And it's just You you can't keep explaining the same thing over and over You just sound like a broken record But yes, there, yeah. there could be cap issues The reason that I say Like, I'm giving Jim the benefit of the doubt here Is that I'm saying there has to be something in place For him to say that There has to be a plan in place For him to go out and sign Pearson I don't think it's coincidence That the news about Beagle from Dollywall Came and then two days later Pearson was signed to a deal I don't think... That's a coincidence, and I, I'm going to keep saying that because it's just where else are they getting this cap space, Chris? And it's just that's that really is one of the only places.
1: Let's let's talk about where where the cap space could come from, right? Like let's talk about it. Let's let's lay it all out and let's let's see where cap come for the Vancouver Canucks. Um, I'll start. I'll just name off a couple, and then I'll let you jump in if you have a few more. Okay, you mentioned the Louis Erickson one. You know, if Louis Erickson just doesn't want to take that $3 million and walk away, if he doesn't want to go to Utica, boom, $6 million for you right there to spend. Jake Furtanen, if he's traded, there's another $2.5 million. You can likely replace him with a bottom six guy for a million and a half cheaper. That probably gives you as much, if not more, than what Jake Furtanen gives you. Uh, Brandon Sutter's money is going to come off the books. You know, if if they don't re-sign Brandon Sutter... There's another good chunk of change there. And then obviously the minuses are going to be the big contracts that are going to be given out to Hughes and Pedersen but where else can they get money from? You I guess the Beagle thing is one thing that you want to bring up because if he is on LTIR, you know, we we hope that he's healthy, but that that is money for the Vancouver Canucks, but where where else is the money coming from? Quads like that that they're going to be able to go out and actually improve this team aside from like I look at improvements to this team next year, maybe Jack Rathbone, definitely Vasily Colson. Maybe Cole Lind, but like immediate impact players, I don't see them coming up through the organization next year.
0: No, I think the two years away from being a real competitive quote that Jim gave in that first press conference of the season was not that far off. When I when you look at everything from that perspective. But in terms of clearing up cap space, look, man, Seattle's coming. There's gonna be some there's gonna be movement this off season, and we've brought it up a few times. What does it cost to get them to take Holtby? I think Seattle would value Holtby as a person and kind of like a leader and a and a veteran netminder. Maybe they take a stab at Holtby, and I'm not saying that, like, I I am saying that the Canucks are going to have to give up an asset likely, but if that's a second or third round pick to get Holtby's contract off your books, I'm sorry, like, I I think you have to take that, do you not? Because then there's some money to go out and sign a guy like Adam Lowry, but again, like, you don't want to keep giving all these contracts to bottom six players, but you do need a third line center, I just think... If you did, if they didn't sign Pearson and went out and signed Adam Lowry and it was between the two things, I think you're taking Lowry every day of the
1: week. Yeah, even after – this is a week after. We just said that you don't want to do that. But now that yeah. you see the thing that's happened, you change your mind on it. Because, yeah, like if they, if they attach a pick to Holtby to go, you know, to take Holtby in the expansion draft, great. Another option would be Tyler Myers, right? You know, Tyler Myers, what kind of pick do you have to attach to him? you know to to have Seattle select him in the draft that's that's not a good spot to be in To think that the Canucks have to give up picks when i feel like this expansion draft should help them you know and jim actually talked about that a little bit today i forget who asked the question um about it i believe it was jason bruff actually on uh, on the call but like i just i pull up the the free agent signings this year right like in december so late signings in december that happened this year uh anthony declaire signs for 1.7 million dollars Corey Perry signs for seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Eric Halla, a center, he signs for one point seven five million dollars. All of these contracts have one thing in co- or a couple things in common. They were signed in December, right before the season started. So a lot of these guys were just filling up their Roth. Like there was room for the Canucks to add these type of players if they had the space, but they didn't. And they all signed one year deals, real low risk deals for players who have all came in and shown very well. Slater Cuckoo. $850,000 to come in and be a defense monitor team that would have been a big upgrade for a lot of what's going on in the Canucks bottom pairing. I just There's a lot of deals that were out there this offseason And they're going to be there next offseason as well With teams not seeing their salary cap go up at all There's there's a lot of problems for salary caps moving forward Because a lot of teams that sign these long-term deals Were expecting cap to go up So there's going to be a lot of pinching pennies And the Canucks unfortunately aren't going to have the extra cap space To take advantage of that signing deals Like what they did to Tanner Pearson here
0: Yeah, wow Man, it's it's crazy because we just are looking back now And just the roster construction and everything It's just It feels like a bunch of little mistakes That people justify and try and look past in the moment But then it adds up And then what you're left with is a roster that just can't compete And that's what they have right now that's, That is what they have right now And yeah, it's a shame And I, I will hint at something Because he's working on it right now We're We're kind of in the in the start of it, but Andrew Harris, writer at Canucks Army, uh, he revived Sham Sharon, which was a bot, an intern, uh, a fake intern that had never watched hockey before, created by former Canucks Army managing editor Reese Jessup. Obviously, moved on to work in the NHL, um, and uh, and he made this made this uh, program that basically was the bar for drafting and was just horrible, like your GM should greatly outperform this bot at drafting. So it's an intern bot that's never watched a game of hockey. The way he drafts is he just looks at points per game and drafts the whatever player has the highest points per game and he only drafts from the OHL and the, he only drafts from the CHL, okay? And Andrew put it up against Jim Benning's record with each year and what what he would have taken uh, in, in the draft where the Canucks were placed. And it was like you know they got Alex Dabrinket they got all these great players, they got David Pasternak, all these great players or not not Pasternak. It was uh, Ehlers that they got in the Vertanen draft year. And um, it was it was just funny watching that exercise because it was legitimately like too close to call. Like it was like. Yeah. Is Shamshiran better than the Canucks have been over the past six years? And it's just, it was funny because Shamshiran doesn't know Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson exist. Obviously, because they they don't play in the CHL. So in the if the model was applied to like all leagues, then he would have taken both of those players, which is the funny part because that was the only thing. Like I personally sided with the Canucks. Like when I looked at the. Look at all the data and everything Look at all the draft years I said it was like yeah the Canucks, the Canucks won this Because they got Pedersen and Hughes But if they didn't or if Sham Sharron Also draft, drafted Pedersen and Hughes that's that's a, that's that's a lot closer than it should be And I think you're leaning toward the bot The intern who's never watched hockey And just drafts on points percentage And it's like you know the Canucks really haven't had any defensemen that have hit. You know what I mean? And it's just it's it's just used. And it would have drafted Rathbone higher than the Canucks did. And it's just, oh man, it, it's it's funny. But the long-winded thing that I'm saying is, Andrews currently looking at a way to revive that for free agent signings and try and just oh, get no. the bottom bar for free agent signings and just see like a bot who's never watched hockey, who would he sign in free agency? And is your GM doing a better or worse job uh, than the bot? Is and it's just it's a fun exercise, especially when we talk about the roster construction right now. That's
1: that's not going to be good results um, for the Vancouver (laughs) Canucks at all. All right, let's let's switch gears a little bit. There's there is some exciting news, and that's that the Utica Comets. Are coming back to play, we're recording this Friday Right before the game starts actually I'm going to go from this and, and be editing uh, During the intermissions actually Because we're just about to start that game And they're getting back to action man They're they're coming back, the arena's going to be full of fans uh, $45 by the way quads It'll get you all you can drink beer and food for like forty five bucks, wow! That's gonna get you into the arena in an HL game, and you're you're gonna have a good time. I guarantee that. Um, so I'm excited just for them to get back to play. It's gonna be you know a full month since the Comets have played hockey, and man, we were really starting to see a lot of positive things coming out of the Comets season. So before I give my you know few things that I'm excited to see just as they get going again, for you, what are a couple things that you're excited for now that the Comets are back in action? Uh, probably just Jack Rathbone to be
0: honest with you I just want to see how he does over a larger sample size I want to get a better look at him And yeah, I mean I was hoping to see more of Silov's in Manitoba But that hasn't happened So yeah, I think Jack Rathbone's really the only player That I'm going to be looking out for And kind of watching And trying to see what he could bring it To an NHL lineup next year potentially
1: With Edler uh, hitting free agency Hey, hey, do you think like I, I, I've never really thought about this But like, why isn't Silov's in Utica in the first place and Jake Kylie be like the emergency guy. Like doesn't Silovs have a much higher NHL potential? Yes.
0: I don't know. I I haven't asked anybody. Like I haven't like I I know that's not really Curtis's decision, but I was talking to Curtis Sanford and I just know they're high on Silovs and I did learn it was Silovs by the way. It's not Silovs. Um we'll see what yeah. the announcers go with, because like they went they're going with Hoaglander and Disto, friend of the show, uh always tells us it's not Hoaglander. Uh it's it's Hoglander. That's how it's supposed to be said. But um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't have a, an answer. I don't have a concrete answer of why that is, but I think it was just they wanted to have Sylovs available on an emergency basis just so that he could actually work with Ian Clark, and I think Like I think they want him to just kind of continue developing and I know they've had good communication with the staff in Manitoba and you know, Utica's kind of main focus right now. They're not focusing on Jake Kiley, right? Like they're focusing on Saint Louis's guy, and Saint Louis sent their coach down there, right? And it's just that's part of the agreement, it seems like. And I think that's kind of why they decided to keep Silovs in Canada and now obviously he's with The taxi squad. So once they start playing again, he will get some time with Ian Clark, which is going to be super beneficial for him. Because, man, like, I listen, he has a high ceiling. A lot of people like to talk about him, myself included. And I think he's, I think he's, he has the potential. But, man, he is, he has a lot of work to do still, Chris. I was, I was watching him. His stance is not good enough. And he's working on it. He's working on it. Like, I'm not just trying to rag on the guy. But he does have a lot of work to do, and he knows he has a lot of work to do, and the staff knows it. Uh, Ian Clark, Curtis Sanford, these guys both know it, and they have a clear plan in place for how to get him there. But man, he has a lot of, long ways to go. But what I will say is, he's really athletic, and the comparison there is Andre Vasilevsky, obviously, because Vasilevsky is just the most athletic goaltender in the league, and Silov's is very, very similar in
1: that he's just an athletic freak with insane reflexes. So, yeah, yeah I it think, just doesn't make yeah. sense to me. It doesn't make sense why he isn't the starting goalie. Down in Utica, in a year where you know, people that listened to the last episode heard Trent Cull talk about it, this is a very different year for the for the AHL. You know, they're missing all of their first lines, all of their top two defensemen. And they're starting goaltender for most teams. You know, like, that's something that Cole said. Like, it's been good for these young guys coming into their rookie years in Carson Folk and Jet Wu because, you know, the league's a little bit watered down, right? It's watered down with some ECHL guys, with some of these other 20-year-old players that are making the jump. Like, it just makes a lot of sense to me, and I haven't really thought about this a lot, but, like, in a watered-down AHL year, this would have been a great time to really get Archer Silos to see what... Professional hockey is all about, and it would have prepared him to be the starter next year in Utica when the St. Louis Blues, you know, take their bags and leave, and the Canucks likely have Mikey Pietro in a spot where he's very close to backing up in Vancouver. I think that happens at some point next year, and you know, you could have the guy coming in next time to be the AHL goalie in Artur Silov. So uh, this this doesn't really make a lot of sense, but I haven't really thought about the situation a lot. But now that I am like. It really doesn't make a lot of sense at all why the Canucks wouldn't make a push to have him down in Utica starting.
0: Yeah, that's that's an interesting one actually. and I, I think I'm gonna have to do a little digging on that. There has to be some rationale behind it. Like it's not like Ian just drew names out of a hat and decided where he was putting guys. Like that was there. There right. was definitely a clear plan in place, and I'm just gonna go out and find out what it is. So yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll hopefully okay. have something anything to else.
1: Uh... Aside from Rathbone, what are you looking forward to in Utica? I don't know how I asked you that. You went from Rathbone somehow to, to goalies for five minutes. I You're seriously a magician, Quads, the way you're able to talk about goaltenders on this show. Uh, but anything else you're excited for aside from Jake Kiley uh, being the starter moving forward? No, I'm not even
0: excited for Jake Kylie to be the starter moving forward. He's not even the starter moving forward. He's still going to be St. Louis's guy, who I still don't know the name of. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I'm just excited for Jack Rathbone. Like... And maybe Jet Wu But again I'm not going to watch A ton of Utica games I'm just going to You know I'm going to keep Trying to keep up With what's going on And hopefully have that scoop
1: When uh, Rathbone gets called up yeah, absolutely um, For me, there's a lot of exciting things still going on there Carson Folk, uh, watching him move out the lineup now With Cole Lynn being out is going to be interesting He's going to be playing in a top six center role That's going to be good for Folk moving forward um, Also, Ethan Kepin was added to the group earlier this week as well It's going to be interesting to see him hop in Hasn't been playing any hockey uh, this season So he's jumping right into it with the Comets And, you know, Gadjevich continuing what he's doing Like, man, if he if he puts up two goals today In the Friday night game, he's got 10 goals in 10 games, right? Like he's sitting at eight goals in nine games right now. Uh, I'm excited to see him get back on the ice and get to work and just honestly to have something positive to report on from this Canucks organization after. just a painful few weeks here. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm I'm very excited to uh, to wrap up this podcast and uh, and get into comments mode for a little bit. And as we speaking of, uh, this is going to be the first game that uh, our friend, you know, longtime contributor to the show, longtime friend of both of ours, and a guy who has helped me a ton in this industry, Corey Hergott, uh, is not going to be covering the comments anymore. We talked about it on the show, but uh, he sent out a tweet today uh, that he's moving on to some other things, retiring from covering the comments. And uh, we wish him luck. I, I saw the pictures of him and his grandson I, I saw him on facebook a couple days ago as well and looks like he, he's having a blast so uh we're gonna miss him for sure we're gonna miss his coverage uh but uh we just want to say thanks to him for for his years of covering the comments he like he tweeted out he hasn't missed a game in the four years this is gonna be the first one he misses uh so just all the best to Corey moving forward and uh and yeah we, we miss him around here for sure too
0: yeah we definitely do yeah absolutely nobody <laughs>
1: Nobody ate up midweek time on the pod like Corey Hergott did <laughs> In the years of him being our midweek contributor Talking about Comets He did an excellent job of uh, eating up podcast time As we uh, move forward So uh, let's get into a prospect update here uh, Dmitry Zlodiev is about to get back into action For the MHL Finals uh, We're excited to see him do that And let's let's go off about Pod Colson, man Wow, his team's on the brink of elimination Down 3-0 uh, They end up winning 3-1 Vasily Colson has... Points in all three of those goals. He scores the empty netter to, to seal it for them. He had great plays on both the assists that he had to set up the two goals on the play. One pass through his legs back to the defender. Another pass cross across the ice uh to Oscar Fantenberg, who ripped a shot by. And man, he he looked excellent. After being the 13th forward in the third game of the series, he comes into the fourth game and was by far the best player on the ice. So, you know, exciting for him to, to continue to go on with the season and uh, just get more experience in the KHL. Playoffs, so I'm excited for Pods uh, And we'll see what happens with him moving forward Here, but I I have no doubt in my mind He's going to come in and, and put up a hell of a fight To be a top six player for the Canucks at a training Camp, so not much else to report On, uh, my prospects reports are going to continue On every day, uh, I think we were at Number seven today with Aiden McDonough, we're going to move Into number six uh, tomorrow And just kind of keep going from there, it's been fun putting Out these uh, little 1,000 word write-ups About the guys, just to kind of review them and, and really rank them was kind of the, the goal Of this project, so it's been fun to put it all to Together, so uh, nothing else to report about prospects really right now. I think there were, we're. I don't think there's been an official statement, but it looks like Aiden McDonough is going to be returning uh, for his junior year. I know that we've seen a lot of stuff from Northeastern lately involving McDonough, so you know it, it's kind of a dead giveaway. Like, I'll have to text him about it, but um, it sounds like you know McDonough is going to be returning for his junior. year Obviously, he didn't sign up with the Canucks or report to Utica or anything, so it's kind of a. You know, no-brainer that he's going back, but I think that's something to mention That it looks like he'll return for his junior year uh, Quad's betting segment, let's get to it uh, You got some stuff this week because uh, you made some more money Now that Tanner Pearson's going to be a Canuck uh, through the trade deadline Yep, my $23 bet that Tanner Pearson would
0: not get traded Has hit, I think oh, Man, could you imagine if if they actually <laughs> trade him They sign this extension and then trade him right away Yeah, that's not happening But yeah, it looks like that bet's going to hit So, I mean... Our friends at Odd Shark, you go check them out. You go look for betting trends and look for everything you need. And again, baseball is the one that I'm putting a lot of bets on. Guys, take Otani. Otani is hot right now. Otani getting more than five and a half strikeouts. If that's what it's set at again, you take the over on that every single time. And man, there's this guy in Texas named Nate Lowe who's just dominating right now. He's off to such a hot start. Throw a little money on him, hitting a homer or something, you know, $1 bet whatever it is. You might you might just win yourself some money. So yeah, go check out oddshark.com. There's lots of NHL stuff as well, but right now I'm in I'm in baseball mode. Canucks haven't played in a while. I'm in baseball mode, Chris.
1: Yeah, we were supposed to have Ian from Odd Shark on actually last week, and then time timing didn't work with him. Um, and I just, I'll be honest, I forgot to text him this week. It's been a busy day uh, with Jim Benning and, and the Tanner Pearson signing. It's been a busy end to the week, so uh, we'll try and get Ian on next week so he can actually give us some good betting uh, betting tips and not just you know telling you to, to pick the same two players like you did on last week's, or you know last episode, you mentioned Lowe and, and Shohan, so... I mean, Quads is on a hot streak right now, so maybe ride with them. Maybe don't. But Ian will be here pretty soon to uh, to dive into some betting trends from Odd Shark and our friends over there. So I don't think there's much else to dive into. Quads, I'm ready for this comments game. Um, you know, it's it's going to be fun just to watch some hockey and sit back and enjoy uh, watching this organization play some games here. So it's going to be good uh, good for me. I'm excited for it. What about you? Uh, on the weekend, you got any plans? What's uh, what's going on? We have two final assignments to do for school, so. I'm doing those
0: I don't know about you Chris but I'm doing those
1: yeah we'll see I just (laughs) I like I did some calculations and I'm like you know what I've passed every class at this point in the year Um, do I want to do the final assignments no am I going to maybe Uh, so we'll see what happens uh, this weekend I, I wouldn't mind having some relaxing time and just enjoying the comments they got a couple games this weekend so I'm excited to get into those so there you go. Nothing else to bring up quads No pressing news that you want to finish out this episode with No but uh, Joel Blomquist is off to a very hot start In
0: Finland So just just year one of this take That Askarov is not going to be as good as Blomquist uh, Aging very very well uh, It's only year one folks So I'll talk to you in 15 years And uh, yeah, yeah that'll be a take that I got scrutinized for By the scouting community uh, I had a lot in the goaltending community behind me on that one, actually, but yeah, a lot of a lot of scouts were appalled that I could dare besmirch the name of Yaroslav Askarov, and then he went to the World Juniors, and all of the flaws that I pointed out were, like, really magnified, and I'm just saying, like, I'm not trying to say I told you so, but I, I am just saying, I did say he had a lot of issues, a lot of people saw them and were like, holy cow, you were right, and I'm like, yeah, a little bit, but also... I said this at the time, but also, like, Ascroft's better than he was at the World Juniors. Like, he's he's not that bad. Like, he, he does have more raw ability than what he showed at the World Juniors. So, yeah, we'll see what he does next year. What did uh, what did Blomqvist show you at the World Juniors, though? Nothing. You're right. You're right. You're right. He didn't play. He didn't play. Uh, which was a bad decision hmm. by Finland, I think. Uh, he'll be there next year. He's he's younger. He's younger than Ascroft. So, I'm just saying. Okay. I'm just saying, man. When all is said and done, Blomqvist will have the better career. By the end of it, he is, he, he yeah. He, there's more. There's there's more potential with him. I'm just saying that's yeah. that's how it's going to be. I'm telling <laughs> you.
1: Yeah, that 907 save percentage in the second tier of the finish division. You know, Man, those are pretty impressive numbers for dude, sure.
0: It doesn't matter what shots they're facing. I stop. You don't look at numbers when you evaluate young goaltenders. Like that's the stupidest thing. That's the stupidest thing that you could do. You have to look at. I could watch these guys without a puck being shot at them, and just like we did at training camp. Just watch how they do, how they move around the crease. No pucks needed. You don't need to see if they're stopping the puck. You can evaluate young young goaltenders like that, and that's what you should be doing.
1: So yes, Blanquist is better. All right, I'll be sure to put that in my next goalie report It's just, It doesn't matter about stopping pucks uh, That'll be the first thing I'll I'll write about When I uh, when I get the Jake Kylie breakdown oh, In the next couple of weeks here Alright well we'll wrap things up uh, It's been a, a heated episode uh, I mean my voice is starting to feel it a little bit here And uh, uh, yeah I think that was from getting too fired up But man like it just felt like I don't know if you ever did this science experiment When you were in, in elementary school uh, But it was like you had a cup of water And you kept dropping pennies into it Do you ever remember doing this? No You guys probably had computers and all this stuff You were in elementary school in the 2000's But what you did was like if you took a cup And you filled it to the top of water And you kept putting pennies into it The water would actually like be over the top of the cup like it, really? the pennies just make it so that it doesn't pour out the side And then you get to a certain point And the bubble kind of bursts And then the water falls off the side of the cup um, It's a pretty cool little spy- science experiment I remember doing that at elementary school Like I said, you guys were probably just playing on computers <laughs> Here at elementary school or something But uh, th- yeah, that just kind of felt like the water You know, the bubble burst uh, in this episode And I think we... Uh, We went off a little bit, but it was all good. So uh, we'll wrap things up there. I'll get to my comments. Quads will get to his, uh, I don't know, watching goalies skate around on the ice. Um, So for David Quadrelli, my name is Chris Faber, and thank you very much for listening to another episode of The Canucks Conversation.
2: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.